0: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. Today I'm sitting with Aaron Williamson, the co owner of Pure Coffee. Um, Aaron, would you mind just tell us a little, little bit about what, what you do, what Pure Coffee does? Just a little
1: background. Sure. See, uh, Pure Coffee is a Seattle based cold brew coffee company. So, cold brew coffee is coffee that is made, packaged, and produced cold. Primarily for ready-to-drink applications, something you can buy in a grocery store instead of having to stand in line at a cafe in order okay. to get quality coffee to go. Okay. So that's what we're we're working on.
0: Nice. Now, what's the um, I mean, I'm familiar with cold, cold brew being mm-hmm. like an alternative to drip coffee or mm-hmm. whatever. It's a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so it's what you're doing, kind of to compete with that gourmet market, but it's kind of ready to go in the can.
1: That's exactly what I'm doing. So I'm a huge fan of the cafe experience, with having getting to walk in, getting to know a barista, getting sure. to know a spot. But you can't always do that. Sometimes it's lunch. You gotta run through your grocery store, grab a hard boiled egg and a sandwich and a cold brew to go. Sure. And and coffee is this kind of incredible beverage, and you should have access to the quality level of it, sure. even if even if it's a, out of a cold case. Okay. I like that. I
0: think about it. Up until more recently, the only thing I've done finding grocery stores are kind of the you know the Starbucks Frappuccinos, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yep. it's more sweet than a coffee. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, how, how did you get into to this? Did you found it yourself, or was it a, a co?
1: I owned a coffee shop for a long time, okay, and then after after I left that business, I looked around, and what I decided I should be doing was making cold brew, so I started it by myself in my laundry room, in okay. my house, <laughs> 200 square feet of this tiny little, um, totally certified nano brewery for lack of a better term.
0: That's awesome. When, when did you start that? 2014. Okay. And then how, I mean, how does one transition from brewing in their house, 250 square feet to, you know, the, the pretty, pretty sweet operation of going right
1: now? Uh, well. There, was, there there have been several steps, and several kind of back and forth along the way, but mostly it had to do with um, gathering partners, gathering investors, um, and growing from there. A lot of those pitches came after late nights of whiskey drinking. Suddenly everyone wants sure. to be in the cold brew business and away we go, yeah. but it was really fun. Okay, that's
0: awesome. Yeah, how, how did the partnership with cold brewing come, come
1: to be? So we, I went from my 200 square foot uh, basement Brewery to um, a small-scale production facility in Kent, and n- then needed to grow again. And at the same time, Odin Brewing was looking to expand their portfolio uh, to include craft non-alcoholic beverages, and so we partnered together there. The process for the process, I believe, is the the best way to cold brew is not unlike the process for brewing craft beer okay. and so sharing equipment and space and a brewing team just sort of started to make sense sure. that makes sense
0: yeah <laughs> so how, how big is is Odin are is it just the the brew um, the brewery where you guys are in the tap room or are they they enough?
1: we just have the one one facility oh. so there's three brands running out of there and a full brewing staff and then a kind of operations kitchen sales staff all okay. out of there so at this
0: point in the business, what is your, your primary role? I assume you're not in the back, you know, brewing?
1: I'm in the back getting in the way. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the back uh, waiting for the, the technical brewers to tell me to to go back and sit down at my desk. Uh, mm-hmm. But my primary job is kind of the, to, to run the coffee, to run the craft non-alcoholic side of the whole operation, and I don't get dirty as much as I used to. I don't lift as many kegs. So more business operations? More business operations, okay. hmm gotcha.
0: and, and how do you like doing that? I mean, you know, you start off doing the, the roasting and, and brewing and now you're doing the kind of business, I
1: Right. I think that it's, um, that's been a really eye-opening transition and a really, uh, a great learning experience. I think I had to give up. I am having to continually give up the idea that I know what's best all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and let go and and give some of those operations over to people who are a lot smarter than I am in in some aspects of what's going on, yeah. and recognize that I'm there to to learn from them, and ultimately we're more successful that way. But it it sure. was a transition. Sure, that, that is difficult. I mean, would you say that was one of the harder
0: things about you know, starting starting up the, the businesses? You know, when when you relinquish some control and you know build your team and you know, right. empower them to do the things that they're
1: better at? Right. No, I think that, that it's it's knowing when and then it's knowing how to do it, too. I think I've kind of had some stops and starts of learning how what, um, what one's leadership style is, what's effective, sure. uh, when to back off, when to recognize um, the talents of other people, and then when to kind of step in and say, no, we, it doesn't fit our mission, or that's not the direction we need to go.
0: Sure. So what you, you might have answer this already or maybe you can expand upon it a little bit but uh you know that transition from being you know a, a you're a great stuff mm-hmm. right working in a coffee shop uh to, to to roasting and brewing yourself like what made you decide to want to do that as opposed to do something else in, the, in the coffee field?
1: okay um so i owned i owned a coffee shop okay, yeah. i owned a coffee shop and um, i was definitely behind the counter there a lot and um the real answer is I got I got divorced. Suddenly I had two small kids to take care of and I looked around at what did I want my life to look like. Sure. And I was really excited about the possibility. I may not have actually been excited about it at the time, but in in retrospect, the possibility that opened up was the opportunity to have to let go of the idea of work life balance mm-hmm. and just make a life where things kind of fit more or less seamlessly together. Sure. My kids were part of my career. Um, we were all kind of on this rolling train of adventure yeah. as a family and moving that forward. And that was possible in the, starting the kind of business that I started in a way that it wouldn't have been um, somewhere where I had to be behind a desk every day.
0: Okay. That's, that's great. What, what do you love most about your business and what it what looks like today?
1: I think I love the part that I love the one of the parts that I love most is that I wake up in the morning and I plan out my day, and it never ends where I think it's going to end. Okay. So there's this kind of joy and unexpected um, discovery every day.
0: Okay. So kind of like the fluidity of absolutely, the business. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like I love that, but it's also thorn in my side. You know, like.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. That's tough. Yeah. Um, what,
0: what do you say was most surprising or unexpected to you uh, with opening your own business? I mean, you, you owned a coffee shop, mm-hmm. so you weren't unfamiliar with owning your own business, but obviously a little different. It was
1: experience. different. It was different. Um, the most kind of surprising and exciting part of it is the steps required that to, to grow in something, and then all of the, for lack of a better word, uh, hustle mm-hmm. or lying <laughs> required to get yourself to the next step there were points that I was making I think the first summer we made 10,000 units of cold brew in my basement laundry room okay. but I couldn't have them picked up there because it was in my house and I was trying to project this image that I was bigger okay. and more stable okay. than it was okay, sure. um so it's lying is probably not the right right word but the the, the project y- right right how, how are you projecting an image, what is the image that you need to project sure. to get to the next level and how, how can you kinda of hold that together? And then when can you just kinda of let your guard down and
0: Sure. Just kinda say, Hey, this yeah. is, this is, this is uh, it. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: It. yeah. I mean what would you say that the pure coffee is known for? You know, we're kinda of talking about image and, and mm-hmm. what's known for you know?
1: So there's two things that that I'm most proud of and I think that that we're known for and becoming increasingly known for the f- the first thing is kind of the technical side of it that we really focus in a in a very serious way on the technical aspects of cold brew coffee uh how it's different than other kinds of preparation for coffee what we can do to make it not only um excellent from a food safety kind of standard, but excellent from a coffee sourcing standard, kind of run that whole chain.
0: Okay. So, uh, so that would include kind of the minutia of like where it's sourced, how mm-hmm. it's roasted, like all those details.
1: All those details and then, and then with particular emphasis on the actual brewing process. So like when you think of beer, um, all that goes into turning the grain into Sure. a can of beer we, t- we take that same emphasis and put it on on coffee okay. and then the other the other part that we're known for is we source all our coffee from women-owned coffee farms and cooperatives okay, and we're pretty um passionate and excited about that sure. so there's there's kind of the emotional the emotional stream and the technical stream and bringing those both together feels okay. really good
0: Okay. On the technical side, do you guys tend to single source your your coffee, or do you kind of use, do a blend?
1: Or? We source. So we we use a single source. Um, the source moves seasonally, so it's always a women woman farmer or cooperative. But uh, but coffee is um, a, is a crop, so it's a seasonal sure. product. So sometimes it's it's ready for you in Guatemala. Other times you're looking to Rwanda. Other times you're hustling, sure. <laughs> but. But it's keeping keeping the eye on that.
0: Okay. Now how is that the process of finding those those farmers and setting that that up? I, mean, I I don't know if you could just Google that, you know, how do you set up um, I, I have Googled that. <laughs>
1: but but uh, I work with a, I work with an importer. Okay. And so they the develop. The right, right. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah. Seems like it'd be a challenging thing to figure out on your own.
1: It there's people it's one of those things. It's like who is who is the best at that? Mm-hmm aspect and finding them and making them work with you on it. Okay.
0: So I yeah, I've been down to, you know, the the brewing and tap house mm-hmm. facility and it's it's awesome. You know, it sounds like you guys have a lot of um, room for you know potential mm-hmm. with you know growth and being able to do more volume and whatnot. What's what do what you kind of see in the future of, of pure coffee? Where would you
1: like to be world domination. World domination. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. the the future of pure coffee I really see it as developing um a Really strong regional Pacific Northwest presence, with with the emphasis on quality and the mission of our company, and being absolutely rooted in that. And then seeing where the the overlap there is between um, coffee and beer, and coffee and alcohol, and sure. playing up those things. There's no nowhere. Uh, that I can think of as much as Seattle that kind of represents those two beverages sure. and our kind of ability to, to marry them yeah. feels like we're in the right place for that.
0: Sure. does it, it kind of sounds like you guys, you know, Pure Coffee and Odin, are going to start doing kind of some co-branding, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. multi-purpose, you know, tap house type thing. Right. Um, how, how do you think that will affect either, you know, image or, uh, I, I guess branding marketing, that sort of thing, you know, It like, you know, before I met you and mm-hmm. your
1: coffee, I do a brewery, mm-hmm. been around for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think it's great, I think, when you think about what a tap house or, um, or brewery was kind of originally for, it wasn't just a place to, uh, hundreds of years back, it wasn't just a place to drink beer, it was kind of this meeting, meeting place, and a place to exchange goods, a place to exchange ideas, and coffee houses traditionally have been that. So as we kind of, push our brands closer and closer together mm-hmm. that sense of you can come to a single location and exchange ideas sure. at six o'clock in the morning over a cup of coffee and at six o'clock an, at night over a beer right. and probably at noon over a combination of both sure. and that and that that place becomes um a focal point of somebody's day sure
0: that makes a lot of sense i'm kind of surprised someone else hasn't figured that out already cause, i mean they, they kind of serve the same purpose, right? Either, a communal mm-hmm. place to get together and get mm-hmm. you know, to know your neighbors and community and friends.
1: And yeah, stuff. I think there are some people out there doing it pretty well. I think what we what our kind of niche is is that we have we're actually producing both products sure. in the production facility right there. You can drink coffee there. in the morning and watch the brewers sure. make it. Go through door. Mm-hmm. There them. it is. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so kind of. Switching gears a little bit from kind of the business side of things, you know, more to personal, get to know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a few questions for you. How do you How do you start each day?
1: Ah, well, <laughs> I'll use today as an example. It's quite representative. Um, the alarm goes off mm-hmm. for about the fourteenth time. I berate myself for not getting out of bed, and then I sort of stumble up and uh, usually take a bath and I either read or write poetry in the bath, and then all of a sudden I notice that the water is cold, (laughs) and I'm 20 minutes behind schedule. I leap out of the bath, and I find my kids who are both still completely asleep, and then there's this chaotic, frantic march of 30 minutes of making breakfast, and making lunch, and finding backpacks, and getting to school, and realizing somebody left their lunch at home, and going back home. And then coming to a stoplight and like trying to make sure my shirt is buttoned properly and put on my mascara and get to work. Yeah. So that's what it's like. Okay. So it's not.
0: So it's you're pretty. your typical parenting of small kids day. It. That's yeah.
1: that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> it's not. I, yeah. It's not. Um, it's not boring. Sure. I do not have boring mornings. Yes.
0: they're exciting. Yes. Uh, what, what would you consider your greatest strength to be?
1: Curiosity. I firmly believe that all of us as humans have the capacity to learn at anything or learn about anything. Not to become an expert in in a particular subject, but to open ourselves up to the possibility of learning about something and then it drives you down these like kind of thrilling paths.
0: How would you say that curiosity is kind of driven the business right now?
1: Um, I'm an autodidact, like I I read, um, see, I I read about it, I googled Uh, it, (laughs) but I read about everything and and try to absorb all that information and sort it and figure out how to use it in this, um, often in a trial and error process, but uh, definitely think that we can kind of fuel our own growth through knowledge.
0: So That word you used, mm-hmm. what does
1: that mean? It means self-taught.
0: Self-taught. Okay. What,
1: mm-hmm. what was it again? Autodidact. Autodidact. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. What is one
1: habit that you wish you had? To get up when my alarm goes off the first time. I I know that there are these hours in the day that I have not yet figured out how to properly access. I know it because I can sense it, kind of even as I sleep. Sure. And I just haven't. I haven't mastered that yet. Sure. Well, it'd be boring if you mastered it. Right, <laughs> right. Uh,
0: what are you passionate
1: about? Oh, gosh, um, too much. Uh, I have a tendency to get passionate about many things, but before, before I was in the coffee world, I was a, a nonprofit arts administrator, okay. and my nonprofit background has kind of stuck around. And so I tend to get passionate about volunteer opportunities and other other things going okay. on out there. So.
0: Is that how you got involved with ventures?
1: Yeah, a- so I'm involved kind of uh, involved in ventures. I'm involved in the Bridge School and the nonprofit board of the Bridge School, and I just founded a nonprofit called Engender International. Okay. And our mission is to support women in the um, commodities markets, particu- particularly textiles and agriculture, who are not paid for the work that they do. So, for example, women women own coffee farms, um, kind of supporting women along a, a supply chain. Okay. Interesting. Uh, how,
0: how did you get involved with
1: that? that? That was kind of a direct outcropping of pure coffee, looking around and learning uh, learning about um, the conditions in which the women who were growing my coffee uh, lived, and not just and their access, their direct access to the resources for the work that they did, okay. and then trying to figure out like how can I, how can I make this better, not just in the coffee world, but in general.
0: Okay. Uh, then how do you get involved with, with ventures with
1: that nonprofit? So ventures, it's kind of a similar um, idea. So ventures is an amazing, amazing non nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, and. I answered an ad and got lucky and then have the opportunity to go in there once a week and, and work with other entrepreneurs as they're starting, they're starting or refining or reflecting on their, their businesses and trying to um, kind of work that. And we talked about a little bit earlier work that, that. Um, knife edge where you're you're getting your business started, but you've got so many other things going on in right. life. But if you can kind of push your business forward, it's going to improve your entire life. Right. And so how do we how do we do that without collapsing under the weight of everything? Sure. So okay.
0: and how long have you been involved
1: with that? Gosh, about a little more than a year now. Okay. Okay.
0: Did uh, I don't know if you heard the interview with Beto mm-hmm. out
1: there? Mm-hmm. It was, he is it great. It's an amazing. It's amazing. Um, nonprofit doing really, really, I think, li- individually life-changing work, often we Super see, unique, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: that sounds great. I look forward to getting more involved. With them. Good. Yeah. What have you found to be the most challenging aspect of owning and running your own business?
1: I think the most challenging aspect is maintaining discipline. And when you think you have solved a problem, not resting on the assumption that you're never going to have that problem again. Sure. and monitoring everything to make sure that, that the same kinds of issues don't crop up over and over and over again.
0: The, the kind of issues you, you guys have had, has it uh, been more like on the technical operations side, or mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously you guys have employees and stuff, so there's always, you know,
1: managing people. There's managing sort of people. I, for, me, for me, the big one that jumps out is that we, about a year ago, had a product recall, okay, well. which was, I would, uh, harrowing, devastating. Sure. <laughs> um yeah. but it was a direct result of sort of on and I own the company it was on me a lack of discipline mm-hmm. and so making sure kind of every aspect along the way um is is in line without without then like losing the opportunity to chase new projects sure.
0: what, was, what was the impact of that I imagine that would set you back financially
1: set us back financially it um it, we had to kind of really stop and reflect on what we were trying to do whether it was what we were trying to do was possible uh, I had to I had to have some pretty challenging negotiations which is not something I'm comfortable ne- usually doing um, so it was this this time to really stretch and grow but in the middle of it I didn't, I didn't see it as that
0: Never find No, no. Alright, I'm done. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, what would you say you, you learned from that? You know, how did it, it help help you grow and help the company?
1: Oh, it uh, I think the thing I learned is that in the middle of that, don't don't think about the end or the next step. Think about what you have to do um, at that time. Sure. And then the larger lesson is anytime, anytime there's a there's a pro- problem or something that needs to be improved. Mm-hmm. Instead of always thinking of it like this devastating, earth-shattering, life-ending moment, sure. make it a puzzle, and then try to fit the puzzle pieces in to put your picture back together.
0: Okay, I like that. So, kind of in the, in the next section of the interview, I've uh, kind of the lightning round, kind of quick questions, okay. of quick answers. Um, in the past, what was holding you back from becoming the entrepreneur that you are
1: today? I didn't know I was one. I thought I was just a cafe owner, or um, I, d- I didn't know that entrepreneur was what I was actually doing. And now that I do, it's fantastic.
0: Okay. So what was the big, I guess, uh, was it just a, a mental shift or a discovery of the difference between just being like a small business owner and mm-hmm. an entrepreneur? Or?
1: I think it was, the, the, it was researching and reading about what it actually m- meant mm-hmm. to be that, and that, that there is this... Uh, Opening yourself up to the cre- what the creativity behind that means, okay. and then accepting it and running with it.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Have you read uh, the, the book, uh, The E Myth?
1: No. Okay. You can tell me I'm not as E for entrepreneur? No, 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 well, it's just
0: interesting because, I mean, it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of that kind of you know conversation mm-hmm. in that there was you know hugely eye for me um, in running a small business. Uh, I talked about it from the podcast, I don't want to belabor the point I could always cut it down to it. uh but it's interesting, you know, basically this guy who's a consultant for small businesses, mm-hmm. uh, the, the breakdown of it is essentially um, a, you know, I think it says 70% of small businesses fail because their mentality going into it, you know, kinda of breaks it down like there's you know, your your technician, which is the people that you know really like baking pies. Mm-hmm. All they wanna do is bake pies. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I don't work wanna work for something else, I just want to bake pies on day. Then there's the manager who's good at managing people and right. people skills and that sort of thing there's the entrepreneur who's you know vision vision strategy yes. building and he says you know the perfect entrepreneur is like the combination of those but 70% 70% people start businesses are the same issue they don't want okay. to a business they want to own business like that's not their wheelhouse and they don't want anything to do with it right uh, so they get frustrated because they, all they want to do is big pies so <laughs> you know <laughs> that but, makes sense you know and, and it's always it very eye-opening because it, it kind of helps you see okay well you know, these are, are my strengths or where I need to grow or where mm-hmm. I'm naturally geared towards and, you know, see your weaknesses, so it helps you kind of realign, like, well, if I'm not very strong here, I need to get a team that that balances that out so we, you know, can flush out that side of the business of what you can be.
1: I like so, that. Uh,
0: yeah, it's pretty, it's okay. easy to, read to I, I love it. It's been hugely influential in okay. my mentality towards the business. But okay. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Oh. I could draw it, but I will try to. I will try to speak it instead. Okay. So, when in business, um, think about the, the wave that you're riding as a sine curve instead of a triangle curve. Okay. And so, from the so you're, you've got peaks and valleys, right? Peaks and valleys during your day, peaks and valleys during your your fiscal year, peaks and valleys like during any cycle. Mm-hmm. And on a sine curve, mm-hmm. from the top of your peak you can see the next valley but you can also see a series of peaks sure. and from the bottom of your valley you can also see your way back to the next peak as opposed to a triangle curve where the the ups and downs are so steep mm-hmm. that you can't see your way out okay. and it was drawn on a piece of paper for me it made perfect sense and then it was followed up with the idea that that isn't um, that's not just a that's not just a practice of how to run a business, but kind of a, a mental way of approaching your work. Okay. So to kind of keep, keep those, sure. keep that roller coaster of emotions in check. Okay,
0: keep your perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what is one personal habit that contributes to your success?
1: Smiling. Okay. I it. Uh, people want to be a part of what you're doing. Um, they want to get involved most people are generally sort of fantastic sure. and uh, I can't it's my kind of natural <laughs> face I yeah. smile and laugh a lot and what I've noticed is that people kind of gather around and get involved with sure. whatever you're doing.
0: Sure. Um, do you have a specific internet resource application you can't live without?
1: <sighs> the fact the, the internet okay. and the fact that it lives in my pocket or in my purse mm-hmm goes back to that idea of not having a work-life balance but just having a life mm-hmm. where all of the things are kind of intertwined and um, rolling sure. together. Sure. And so the ability to keep my work in my pocket sure. and not necessarily turn it off. Sure. No, that's,
0: that's a good one, I mean. It's a lot of people take that for granted. You've got yeah. the, the world's information right. literally at your fingertips. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, if you could re- recommend just one book to our listeners, what would it be?
1: I would say um, it is Catherine Graham's biography, and she was the publisher of the um, Washington Post during the Watergate era, and what's fascinating about her is she was sort of thrust into this position without training or uh, really being prepared to do it, and thrived at it. And the takeaway from that for me is, we often in work and in life we find ourselves there so often. We didn't know where we were going to end up, sure. and there we are. Um, and that sometimes is is a gift and a benefit, mm-hmm. because you're not going to approach you're not going to approach something in the rote way. You're going to right. make it your own and make something grow.
0: Sure. Yeah. The big challenge of that is. That in- like you mentioned, like in the moment, it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. the blessing, mm-hmm. yeah, But you basically by necessity have to act, right. have to, to act, have to overcome. Right. And then afterwards, you look back and say, "Oh, that really brought me to where I am." Exactly. By yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. So, kind of in, in wrapping up, um, maybe you could share with us one piece of parting guidance.
1: One piece of parting guidance, and I've reflected on this, and I. Uh, The thing I talk to my clients about at Ventures all the time um, is to, as entrepreneurs or business owners, or even as people, we are so wired to reflect on what we're not doing right or what is not going right and make plans to correct those things. Um, And we don't often make business or personal plans that reflect on what is right and i think we all need to do more of that taking this time to deeply reflect on success and the steps that steps that we're taking to get there and how we want to build on that and when i talk to Um, folks at Ventures about this I I really emphasize the idea that you want to do this on a three year cycle so as humans we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in three years and so if we're building these uh, success reflections and success plans stretch them out stretch them out and, and, and push yourself to get something done but don't don't limit your amount of time that you have to do it
0: sure, I like that so, if uh, our listeners want to get a hold of you, find mm-hmm. some, some pure coffee, check yes. it out, uh, visit your tap room, what's the best way to get a hold of you or find, find
1: coffee? So, coffee is available in uh, Whole Foods in Washington and Oregon, PCC's, uh, Met Market, those kinds of stores around around Seattle. It's on the shelf. You can pick one up. You can come have a coffee or beer with me at the Odin Brewing Tap Room in Tukwila. Mm-hmm. I am there all the time. <laughs> Um, and then we check out our website, purecoffee.com. Send me a note. All
0: right. Sounds All right. good. I highly recommend people come down to, uh, to the tap room. It's I do, good too. Good yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. This was great.
0: Yeah. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the C-Town Podcast. Make sure to check out our guest's website, support what they're doing, and show them some love. If you liked what you heard on this podcast, let us know by writing us a very nice five-star review on iTunes and subscribing. You can also find out more about me and other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com. Today's intro and outro music is courtesy of the Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. The c podcast creator and host is Christian Harris. This has been a C-Town Media Production.